All right, so we're in this series, This Changes Everything. Oh, we're jumping off our theme from Easter, talking about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ just changes everything about our world. Uh, we're also lining up with this year-long project we're in to read the whole New Testament in a year. Five chapters a day will get you all the way through the New Testament. I'm sorry, not five chapters a day. Five chapters a week will get you all the way through the New Testament in a year. And we can do this, and a lot of us are. And so, so for this series, our, our preaching is actually lining up with that. And these are always interesting series for me. Usually, uh, for most of our series, we kind of pick the topic in advance, and then we go see what God's Word says about the topic. But for this series, we already know what chapters. We're going to preach on these five chapters, like last week was Acts 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. So that's what I'm preaching on. And we kind of start with the chapters and then kind of see what happens. And in some weeks, we pick one chapter like we did last week. And we, we noticed how God makes the weak strong, makes cowards brave, and teaches all of us uh, to pray bold prayers. Uh, but this week, uh, as we were reading uh, a few months ago, we just began to notice there was this theme that just began to emerge again and again throughout all five of the chapters, never directly stated it just kept being true again and again. And then this week again, throughout the week, as I was rereading the text, it just, it just, I just couldn't help not see this truth. And for some of you, I think it might be the truth you need today. Uh, the first place we find it is right in the beginning of our reading, Acts chapter 7 Verse 1, uh, we're in the middle of the story of Stephen. Uh, let's see, let's catch you up here. Stephen was picked uh, to help wait on tables, but he also was a gifted evangelist. And so just wherever he went, he proclaimed Jesus Christ. Uh, some people didn't like this, and so they had Stephen arrested for proclaiming Jesus Christ, and he was put on trial. Some false charges were brought against him, and in Acts chapter 7, it's his chance to respond to the false charges. It says this, then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where we are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even the ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time he had no children. God spoke to him in this way, For 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Stephen, in this little bit of story, introduces the theme that will run throughout these chapters of God's word. It's the difference between what we see and what God promises. You see, what Abraham sees is tents and tent stakes, not homes with a foundation. He sees a land that is not his, so he has no inheritance to pass on to his children. And he has no children 
to which he could pass an inheritance if he even had an inheritance to pass on to children he doesn't have. This is Abraham's present. What Abraham sees is a present with no land and no home and no children. But God sees what is possible. Abraham sees the present where he has nothing that God has promised. God sees the promise and knows what is possible. And this is the truth that God wants you to learn today. It's just this simple. When we can only see what is present, God still sees what is possible. It may be, I don't know how, but it may be that some of you are stuck like Abraham. Stuck in a land of unfulfilled promises, seeing only what is present. But Stephen reminds us that when we can see only what is present, God sees what is possible. Stephen goes on to tell the story of Moses. Raised by an Egyptian princess, he wants to be the hero of his people, so he kills an Egyptian slave master, but his people aren't thrilled at all. They reject Moses' leadership. He's banished. He becomes a shepherd in Midian. This is Moses' present. This is what he sees. Useless, failed, unable to serve God, unable to serve his people. He is rejected by the family that raised him. He is abandoned by the people he chose. And maybe that's what you see today. Maybe that's your present, useless, failed, rejected, unable to serve God, but God sees what is possible. This useless, rejected shepherd in Midian, God calls back to Egypt and back to his people where he will, by God's grace, be exactly the leader they need. Stephen's sermon moves forward. He talks about how God's people treated Moses, and ultimately he says that when God sent his Messiah, you people killed him. Now this does not please the crowds, and things go badly from there. Acts 7, verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he'd said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. When Stephen looks around, he sees enemies with their hands full of stones and their hearts full of hatred and their minds intent on his destruction. When Stephen looks around and sees his present, what he sees is an enemy, but then he has a vision of Christ. 
And in that vision is a glimpse of what is possible. And now through the gospel, he sees that though in the present they are his enemies, what is possible is that they would become his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, forgiven and redeemed. So Stephen does the most amazing thing in this moment. He responds not based on his present but based on what God declares is possible through God's mercy. And he forgives those who are killing him. Some of you find yourself in a present reality where reconciliation is needed. You find yourself in a present reality where healing, relational healing is needed in your life. And if that's what you need, you need to learn what Stephen learned. You need to learn to see what is possible and not just what is present. See, here's the thing. I don't know who your enemies are. I don't know who seeks to hurt you. I don't know what your present reality is. I don't know what friendships have recently been severed. I don't know what strife you have right now with your parents or with your kids. I don't know what sort of pain is present in your marriage. But I do know this. I know that the power of the resurrection allows you to see beyond what is present to see what God has declared is possible. And if you want to lay the groundwork for reconciliation in your life, you need to make a decision to respond based off what is possible and not just what is present. When you fight back, you confirm an enemy. If someone snipes at you and you snipe back at them, you've declared that the present reality is the true reality and I'm going to respond to that. If someone is cruel to you and you're cruel to them, if someone is dismissive to them and you're dismissive to them, then you have just declared that no matter what God says, I believe that my present is more real than God's promise. That's just how I'm going to operate in the world. I'm just going to decide that my present is more real than God's promise of redemption and healing and forgiveness. But when you bless an enemy, when you forgive an enemy, when you return a harsh word with a word of peace, you declare with God that though your present darkness is real, God's promised redemption is more real. And so you're just going to go ahead and live like that's true now. You're just going to go ahead and live in God's possible reality in the possible that God foresees and God enacts you're going to act not based on what is present but based on what is possible by God's grace and in that moment you are living out the gospel and that's what Stephen did after Stephen's death things get bad Acts chapter 1 I mean Acts chapter 8 verse 1 on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. 
Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Stephen sees what is possible, not just what is present. He sees a day of reconciliation coming, but that day of reconciliation does not come quickly. No, what comes quickly is a day of persecution. Saul begins to systematically destroy the church and the Christians are scattered from the city. This is their present. But God sees what is possible. For God had called them to leave the city. Back in Acts chapter 1, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Yet they'd been stuck in town. And our God uses their present suffering to be the catalyst for God's promised mission. For though our God is the God of the present, offering comfort and rescue and healing, our God is always the God of the possible. And maybe some of you need to ask God this question. You who are suffering, you who are hurting, you who are persecuted by circumstance and hardship, maybe you need to ask God. Not only, God, are you with me in my present, but ask God, could you help me see what is possible? Could you help me see beyond what is present to see how your promises are going to unfold through this present suffering? God used their persecution to drive the mission forward and God could do the same thing in your life. Many of us could testify to how God has redeemed our suffering and pain and loss because our God is more than just the God of the present who comforts and sustains. Our God is the God of the possible who redeems and buys back what was lost and advances God's mission even through our times of hardship and pain. And this pattern throughout these chapters, it just continues. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Some of you know what happens next in this story. Saul meets the risen Lord, becomes a follower of Christ, goes on to be an amazing leader on God's behalf. But, but right now, don't, don't think about the end of the story. I just want you to look at the present moment. What do we see in the present when we look at Saul? Well, what is present is a Christian killer, a religious terrorist, a gang leader, with a kidnapping crew off to Damascus to kidnap Christians and haul them back for execution in Jerusalem. That is what is present in the life of Saul. 
But our God does not just see what is present. Our God sees what is possible. Our God sees an evangelist and a church planter and a preacher and a leader and a teacher and a trainer. Our God sees the very one who right now gives his life to kill others, to stop the name of Christ, who will one day lay down his life on behalf of others to advance the name of Christ. And some of you today need to just recognize that when God looks at you, God looks beyond your present to what is possible. Some of us today are so bound up by our sin. I don't just mean that we are sinners. That's true of all of us. But some of us have let ourselves become defined by our sin. Like we would say that the truest thing about us is that we're an addict. Or the truest thing about us is this habit that's hurting other people around us. Or our laziness or our self-indulgence or our lack of self-control. And maybe today when you look at your present reality, all you can see is your sin. And your rebellion from God. And you're chasing after other ways and you're hurting of God's people. But when God looked at Saul, God saw more than what was present. God saw what was possible. And it was amazing. And I want you to know that it's just what God sees when God looks at your life too. I mean, of course, God is the God of the present and he knows that the sin in your life will need to be forgiven and you will need to repent. God knows that. God is the God of the present. But more than that, what's more real about you is not your present sin, but is your future possibility in the grace and mercy of God that is so much, your redeemed state is so much more real about you than your present sin. So don't you give up just because your present isn't what you hoped for. For our God is the God of the present and he will meet you where you are. But even more than that, our God is the God of the promise and of possibility and God will take you to where God wants you to be. Chapter 9 moves on. Uh, it describes a series of powerful and miraculous healings. You can go back and read them. Prove, but every one of these healings just proves again and again God's power to turn our present reality into God's promised reality, which is always more real than our present. And then in chapter 10, we get this short one-verse introduction. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. We learn a lot in that short introduction. Cornelius is a foreigner, a Roman soldier, sent to the land of Judea with one purpose, to oppress the people, to exercise the might and will of Rome against the very citizens of the land he would have been hated and despised by all who knew him and especially the Jews but this man Cornelius wanted to love God and so God sent him a vision told him to go seek out a man named Simon Peter who was visiting the town of Joppa 
So Cornelius sent messengers to Joppa to seek Simon Peter. And as they were approaching, Peter has a vision, Acts chapter 10, verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. A voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. What Peter is saying to God. This is not possible, God. I know my present reality. Surely we're not going there. But by the power of the gospel, what Peter doesn't know is that what is unclean is going to be declared clean. That the stranger will become a sibling. That the foe will become family. That's exactly what's about to happen. Messengers arrive from Cornelius and God's Spirit tells Peter that he's supposed to go with him. And so he does. He gets to Cornelius' house and again the Spirit tells him to preach the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Peter preaches, God's Spirit falls on Cornelius and his whole household and Peter sees that though our present world, though our present world and his present world is a world of division and racism and hatred and war and terror. This is our present world and this was Peter's present world. But in that moment, Peter sees beyond what is present to what is possible. And he sees that our God is a God of the possible. Verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. They couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and they heard them praising God. And so then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter's present reality was clear. Romans and Jews do not associate. They certainly don't eat together. They certainly don't worship together. But what Peter didn't know was that God's goodness and God's gospel and God's glory and God's promise is more real even than our present reality. God's gospel sees past the present to what is possible. And when the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his family, all of a sudden, Peter and his companions, they could see it too. All of a sudden, they could see the possible. And this truth that just keeps being true again and again through these chapters, this truth is the foundation of Christian hope that our God, 
is the God of the present who comforts and sustains and supports and heals. But our God is also the God of the possible, the God of promise, who redeems what was stolen, who raises up what is dead, who secures an inheritance for a man with no land and no children. As I read God's word throughout this week, it just felt like this crescendo of hope building in my life. Again and again, when all we can see is what is present, the gospel of Jesus Christ is accomplishing what is possible. If, if you would, I want, I want to learn a new prayer with you today. It's a new prayer for me, and, and maybe it'll be a new prayer that you can learn too. In whatever present you are facing, and I don't know what your present is, but in whatever present you face, I want you to learn this prayer with me. It's super simple. Just, dear God, show me what is possible. Amen. That's the whole prayer. Dear God, show me what is possible. In your suffering, and some of us are suffering, God is with you in the present. But our God is the God of the possible, and he wants you to see that the promise of God is more real even than your present reality. And God wants you to operate out of that reality, not this here's the thing I think about our relationships and how, and how hurting some of us are uh, here's what I know if you respond out of your present reality you will stay stuck in your present reality but if you respond out of what God declares possible well here's the thing if Stephen had been stuck in the present well he never would have forgiven his enemies who encircled him with stones if God could only see what was present, he never would have called Saul bent on destruction and slaughter and kidnapping. If, if Peter was bound by what was present, he never would have gone to Cornelius' house and declared the gospel. I'm just saying, if you want to lay the groundwork for reconciliation, for healing and restoration in the relationships of your life, you need to start treating people based on what is possible and not just what is present. The gospel teaches us in every relationship to see the redeemed, restored, forgiven future. And to, and to trust that that reality is more permanent and more eternal and more real than what is present. This is, this is the vision that I want for my marriage. I want to treat my wife based on what is possible for our marriage. Based on just how great it could be. Not based on how good it is on any day. Don't you want that? This is what I want for my friendships. I want to relate to my friends based on what is possible for my friendships, but based on what God could do for those friendships. Not based on wherever we are this minute. 
This is the vision I want for those I'm evangelizing. I, w- I want to treat them based off not their present rejection of Christ or mockery of my faith or whatever, but what is possible once God's Spirit has touched their heart and they've been redeemed and we've been reunited eternally as God's family. This is the vision you want for your friends and your family. It's the vision you want for your small group and your Sunday school class. Don't relate to those people based off what is present. That reality is not strong enough or big enough. Relate to them based on what was possible, but what God could do through the community of Christians you're studying God's word with. It's definitely the vision I want for my church. Don't relate to your church based off its present reality. That is the least real thing about us. The most real thing about us is our glorified, perfected reality through the purposes and mission of Christ. Treat your church like that. Like we are the missionary outpost we want to be. Like we are the place of welcome we are to be. Like we are the community of worship we long to be. Trust God for what is possible and believe that that is even more real than what is present. I'm just telling you, if, if you begin to believe this, it'll change everything. Don't believe the lie that the present reality is somehow more real than God's promise. The present only lasts about that long. God's promise is eternal. That sounds a lot more real to me. And let's just pray this prayer. Dear God, in my present, teach me to see what is possible. Pray with me. Dear God, we're so grateful that you are the God of the present, bringing comfort and healing and mercy and care. Teach us to believe and to know that you are the God of the possible. And God, give us the eyes to see beyond our present reality, to see your promise, to see your possibility, and live even today as if gospel possibility were taking root in our lives and believing you for that. God, I pray for some relationships that need to be healed, and and this would be the foundation if, if we would just treat each other based off what is possible and not what is present. God, I pray for some some hope you need to give to some families. I pray for some friendships, God. Dear God, in my present, teach me to see what is possible. In Jesus' name, amen.